Uh, I'm delighted to be back with everybody for the last um, uh, session for discussing uh, one of the topics that's been on my mind for some time. How great is bhakti exploring the reach um, of a powerful force? And um, going to be a lot of slides today, and I'm a little concerned about time, but I think I think it'll be all right because the first bunch of slides will be a review. I've uh, edited them down, and uh, we can probably get through through them pretty quickly because I just want to make sure that we're all. I don't. I'm not sure if there's anyone here who hasn't been. Um, with us for the previous weeks, <laughs> but I just want to make sure everybody kind of is able to follow the train of my thought as I um, went through uh, my little kind of intellectual slash emotional saga with regard to this um, with regard to this topic, and, and I've called uh, this part some resolution, um, and we'll discuss what I mean by some. Um, at the um, uh, at the end. So where it all started was with Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's Tika or commentary to the 19th verse of the, Shrima, the fifth chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam's first canto. My dear Vyas, even though a devotee of Lord Krishna sometimes falls down somehow or other, he certainly does not undergo material existence like others, fruitive workers, etc. Because a person who has once relished the taste of the lotus feet of the Lord can do nothing but remember that ecstasy again and again. And in his tika, uh, I this is the entire commentary on that verse. Uh, Vishwanath writes, uh, the verse also uses the phrase does not desire uh, to give up instead of does not give up. This implies that he, uh, that he the, the bhakta, uh, be devoid of pride in his practice. The accomplishment is in the hands of the Lord. I mean, you know, we know this. this is a kind of a basic thing. Um, this is what we learn. Uh, from the Bhagavad Gita, we have a right to do our duty. We don't have a right to be attached to the results. Uh, so the, the same with our um, sadhana. We have a right to practice, but uh, uh, and we have a right to practice enthusiastically, utsahat. But uh, we should also be patient and and perseverant, utsahan nischaya tayaya. So um, and that's actually our success. Our success is. Um, our, our dedication to our practice. And the um, accomplishment um, is, as Vishwanath says here, in the Lord's hands. And then he says, and this is where um, it gets tasty for me, the cause of not desiring is then mentioned. Rasagraha rasa means one who is eager for tasting or who has a taste, which is something like a ghost, which cannot be given up, haunted by rasa. And then I, my assumption has always been that this next sentence is kind of presented as a sunshine or, or a doubt. He's raising a doubt so that he can address that. He's anticipating a doubt in his audience. The meaning is then that worship after the stages of nishta, ruchi, and asakti becomes actual rasa at the stage of rati. However, he says, from the first day of worshiping the Lord, there is certainly a portion of tasting rasa in a very covered form. Thus it is said, Bhakti Pareshanupavo Viraktira Nyatra Chai Shatrika E Kakalaha, Prapadyamanasya Yatashnas Yatashnatasyus Tushti Pushtikshudapaya Nutasa. Devotion, direct experience of the Supreme Lord, and detachment from other things, these three um, occur simultaneously for one who has taken shelter. <coughs> and in light of of Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's Tika on this verse, which I'll see in a moment. Um, I would also, I, I generally add simultaneously and progressively for one who has taken shelter because of the nature of the analogy that he makes. In the same way that pleasure, fullness of the stomach and relief from hunger are experienced simultaneously with each bite. 
for a person engaged in eating. And on this um, uh, on this verse, he comments, an example is given to show that even at the stage of sadhana, which gives great happiness, one achieves the result. When there is bhakti in the form of hearing and chanting about Krishna, the supreme deity, there should be a sweet experience. At that time, there should also be an experience of detachment from material happiness. These three should arise at the same time for the person who worships Krishna. Similarly, for a person who eats, there is happiness, nourishment, and disappearance of hunger with, with each mouthful. So this is a progressive thing. Um, as one takes a mouthful of rice, this happens. Just as a person who eats a little gets a little satisfaction, a little nourishment or fullest fullness of the stomach, and a little relief from hunger, so a person who worships the Lord a little with hearing and chanting gets a little experience of the Lord and a little detachment from material life. And just as a person who eats a lot gets full satisfaction, full nourishment, and full relief from hunger, so a person who worships the Lord fully experiences the Lord fully and becomes completely detached from material life. But, and here he's pointing out the flaw in the analogy, as there always is, uh, though it is impossible to keep eating, by more worship of the Lord, one becomes more capable of worshiping. This is the difference. So after a while, after a certain amount of eating, we become detached even from eating. But by practicing bhakti, uh, we don't become detached from practicing bhakti. And instead, we become uh, progressively attached um, to our practice. And then I um, came across these verses from the Uddhava Gita, and we're going to come back to these um, later, uh, as I've mentioned before. Krishna says, my dear Uddhava, if my devotee has not fully conquered his senses, he may be harassed by material desires. But because of his unflinching devotion for me, he will not be defeated by sense gratification. Um, and Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says, putting aside the topic of the devotee who has developed pava. So in other words, he's saying, okay, let's not talk about uh, a sadhya bhakta, a siddha bhakta, because bhava is the sadhya of uh, sadhana. It's the um, attainment. It's what we're working for when we engage in sadhana. That's our accomplishment. So setting aside that, uh, the devotee at the beginning of bhakti is also successful. So when I saw this, I thought, oh, okay, here we go. By bhakti, which is generally strong, but to speak of bhakti, which is very strong, the devotee cannot be overcome by material enjoyment. And then he brings up uh, the well-known verse in, uh, toward the end of the ninth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, he says, but the devotee who commits sin is not criticized and his position as a devotee is not denied. And I didn't include this here, but he's, con he's contrasting that with the jnani. Um, because if the jnani, um, if the jnani commits some sin, if, the jnani, uh, if there's some flaw in the jnani's practice, um, then their position as a jnani is denied. There is no accomplishment um, and they can be criticized. So then uh, Vishwanath cites this verse, Apichet Sudra Charo, Bhujate Mamanapak, Sadhu Reva Samantavya, Samyavasitovisa. Even the most, even if the most sinful person worships me with no other desire than to please me, that's the Ananyapak. Um, he's, in other words, he doesn't have any other um, goal that he wants to accomplish. He simply wants to satisfy Krishna not propitiate the demigods for um, some material advancement or um, <coughs> you know, engage in, in um, uh, jnana in order to uh, uh, attain liberation. But if his only goal is to satisfy Krishna, even if he doesn't do it perfectly, and we saw that back in that first, in that, the verse I started with, the 19th verse of the fifth chapter in the first canto, that even if the devotee falls away somehow or other, 
by bad association, poor determination, whatever. Um, still, success is, is guaranteed for the devotee, but whereas it's not for the, anyone engaged in other paths. Hmm. Um, if that per, uh, person worships me with no desire other than to please me, I consider that person to be my devotee as he has fixed himself completely in me. And we see in the next verse that, you know, uh, I think in Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says the next day, but I think you see that here. Yeah, the next day, everything is going to be okay. Though the devotee is distressed by sense objects, he's not overcome because both verbs are in the present tense. It implies that even while being harassed by sense objects, he's not really harassed since Pakti is present. A person who is attacked by the weapons of an enemy cannot be defeated because of the presence of his bravery. Or on the day that a powerful medicine is taken to prevent fever, though the fever still causes suffering, it's not a real cause of suffering since the fever is in a state of being destroyed and will be completely destroyed the next day. And then we see the same theme in the next verse, and, and we're going to come back to this, as I mentioned before, come back to this in a, in a few minutes. Um, my dear Uddhava, just as a blazing fire turns firewood into ashes, similarly, devotion to me completely burns to ashes, sins committed by my devotees. And Srila Vishwanath, from his tika, um, I didn't have include the whole tika for this slide because it's just a review and we have a lot more slides to get through. Bhakti destroys the sins committed by the devotee who cannot control his senses. An example is given. Addressing Uddhava, he implies that Uddhava should be joyful because Uddhava means joyful on hearing this. So Bhakti uh, destroys the, even the sins that the devotee commits if they can't control her senses. So as we'll see, it's really clear here that we're not talking about Siddha Bhakti. We're talking about Sadhana Bhakti. We're not talking about we're not talking about someone who's attained bhava or prema. We're talking about someone who may still be, oops, may still be struggling or with their senses, may still be struggling with their mind, but they continue. And then um, this is uh, 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 later in the same chapter. When a diseased eye is treated with a medicinal ointment, it gradually recovers its power to see. Similarly, as a conscious living entity cleanses himself of material contamination by hearing and chanting the pious narrations of my glories, he regains his ability to see me, the absolute truth in my subtle spiritual form. And Vishwanath writes, starting with the first service. So we saw that back in, that, in his tika to that um, uh, uh, first canto purport from the first day of practice, from the first day of worshiping the Lord, this happens. Starting with the first service in proportion to the purification of the Atma by pure Bhakti, and in proportion to the hearing, chanting, and remembering, one attains various degrees of realization of my sweetness. In proportion to hearing and chanting my glories, one sees the real nature of my form and pastimes with an experience of sweetness. So, this is also uh, clearly um, addressing, at least from, um, from Sri Vishwanath's um, perspective, sadhana bhakti, not sadhya bhakti. But then I, I wondered, it seems like Vishwanath is really, um, based on this and other things that, that we read, it seems like he's um, maybe a little zealous in his, in his glorification of bhakti. He's really all about the power of bhakti as we see, as we see in many places. We see this um, particularly in um, his Madhurya Kadambani, where he begins with a, a, a very a kind of a little extended argument about how independent Krishna is. And he does that in order to make the point that bhakti is every bit as independent as Krishna is and, and to show us just how she works. So then I thought, okay, let me, I, Jiva Goswami is sometimes a little more conservative about some things. 
So um, let me see you know, what he says when we talk about Bhakti having the power to control Krishna uh, uh, in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. I thought I would see uh, if Rupa Goswami said anything and then um, uh, see what Vishwanath Chakravarti talked about, I mean, what uh, Srila Jiva Goswami said in his commentary, because it had been a while, I think, since I had read it when I started thinking about this. So he talks uh, in, in the um, first chapter, when um, uh, he's just, uh, I mean, in the fourth, uh, yeah, in the first chapter where, where he's discussing bhakti in a general sense, samanya bhakti, he calls the chapter. Um, he discusses six characteristics um, that we see um, um, manifested in those who are practicing uh, sadhana bhakti, who are practicing bhakti. So two, uh, kleshigni and shupada, a relief from material distress and bestowal of auspiciousness. These become uh, particularly prominent in um, the stage of sadhana bhakti. And then uh, sudurlabha and um, moksha lagutakrit, uh, its extreme rarity and its, um, its uh, penchant for uh, making uh, uh, even liberation seem insignificant, lightweight, laghu, laghu takrit, making it seem lightweight, especially lightweight, especially by comparison with um, bhakti. Those become prominent during papa bhakti, and then in uh, prema bhakti, uh, we see. Um, oh gosh, it's me in lists again. Oh, Sandrananda Visheshatma and Sri Krishna Karshani. So Sandrananda Visheshatma means it's a very concentrated form of bliss. When you take bliss and you boil it down, uh, it's like taking um, a, uh, a gallon of milk and making uh, uh, some pera with it. You, know, you, you cook it down and cook it down and cook it down until it's like, well, until it's caramel. So you've got a, basically a sugar daddy. I don't know if that reverence works for people who've never had sugar daddies because they're not American or um, a lot younger than that. Anyway, very, um, it's a very uh, chewy uh, milk sweet peta. So um, bhakti attracts Krishna and his associates. And Rupa Goswami says, bhakti is called Sri Krishna Karshini because it makes the Lord addicted to prema and brings him under control along with his associates. And then uh, in the next verse, um, he, <coughs> Rupa Goswami <coughs> um, cites one of these verses from the 14th chapter of the uh, 11th canto from the Uddhava Gita. Um, it says, na sadhayate mam yogo na sankhyam pano uddhava the Bhagavatam says, my dear Uddhava, the unalloyed devotional service in the form of prema bhakti rendered to me by my devotees brings me under the control. And I thought, oh, in the form of prema bhakti. Interesting. So then I started to really wonder. And then he he, he makes a comparison with other practices, yoga, sankhya philosophy, uh, punya, svadhyaya, uh, uh, tapa, and, and tyaga. He says these things can't control him uh, the same way that, that um, bhakti can. And here again, he's referring to prema bhakti and Jiva Goswami comments. And then this is where I began to become a little deflated, uh, uh, to be honest. Though one may conclude that the bhakti mentioned here is sadhana by comparing it with other processes such as, of, such as sankhya, it cannot be an example of sadhana that brings Krishna under control because of the statement in verse 41 that Krishna is brought under control only by sadhana bhakti. So that's just the previous verse. Thus the meaning is bhakti after producing sadhya bhakti, prema controls mid. So I'm starting to wonder um, again about um, the zeal with which uh, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur presents Bhakti's unique power. 
even sadhana bhaktis, you need power. So then I thought, okay, so where else would we see this? Where else would we see, especially Jiva Goswami, discuss this? And of course, that would be the Bhakti Sandarbha. Out of the six Sandarbhas, the first four um, uh, uh, explore, uh, uh, explore um, Sambandha Tattva, um, the uh, relationship of the Jiva uh, with the Lord. And then the fifth one, the Bhakti Sandarbha, discusses Abhideya Tattva, and that is Bhakti as a practice. And then bhakti or, or prema, especially prema bhakti, is discussed in the Preeti Sandarbha, the sixth of the six Sandarbhas. So I thought, okay, uh, would I be able to find this discussed in the Bhakti Sandarbha? And I did find it in Anucheta 147, uh, section 147, which in um, the uh, edition that I was looking at first, um, it, the, the subtitle is even sadhana bhakti captivates the Lord. And I just thought, hmm, here's Jiva Goswami asserting that even sadhana bhakti uh, captivates the Lord. And what, what I found was a rather extended argument exploring um, a section of verses in that 14th chapter of the 11th canto. And so, um, so I saw this is where we ended up last time. Um, and then, and I found myself a little intrigued. I, I, I ended with a, a, a kind of a cliffhanger slash teaser uh, last time. So uh, Jiva Goswami writes, Dhruva's life is the proof that bhakti bestows results far exceeding anything a devotee could conceive within the mind because the Lord offered Dhruva his own planet along with supreme devotion. Examples of how bhakti controls the Lord have already been given in verses such as this. And this is the verse we just saw <coughs> as the <laughs> Pramana verse for Sri Krishna Karshini in the Bhakti Vasamita Sindhu. Uh, my dear Uddhava, the unalloyed devotion, now here we see unalloyed devotional service rather than um, Prema Bhakti, we're talking about Shuddha Bhakti or Uttama Bhakti. And that's what we're engaged in, even in Sadhana Bhakti because we see in the 11th uh, verse of, of the first chapter, uh, Bhaktivasamrita Sindhu's first chapter, the, what we're gonna be talking about is Uttama Bhakti. And we see it defined in that verse and in the 12th verse, which is a Pramana verse, um, as um, you know, engaging our senses uh, in the service of the Lord's senses with an intention of giving them pleasure. So hmm, this is interesting. Uh, unalloyed devotional service rendered to me by my devotees brings me under control. I cannot thus be controlled. I cannot thus be controlled by those engaged in mystic yoga, Sankhya philosophy, pious work, uh, Vedic study, austerity, or renunciation. After this verse, next verse, the Lord also said, like a typo there. Only by practicing unalloyed devotional service with full faith can one obtain me, the supreme personality of Godhead. I am naturally dear to my devotees who take me as the only goal of their loving service. By engaging such, in such pure devotional service, even the dog eaters can purify themselves from the contamination of their low birth. And Jiva Goswami points out, a point to be considered here is that this statement, which appears in the 14th chapter of the 11th canto, is a description of the glories of bhakti without specifying whether the bhakti being referred to is that of the practicing stage or the perfectionist stage. Therefore, it is difficult to establish from this verse that it is the greatness of bhakti in the practicing stage that is referred to. Yet, and here's that this is a big one, and he, he uh, mentions this again later. Even if the verse is describing the glories of bhakti in the perfectional stage, the practice stage is thereby, thereby glorified because it is only through practice that perfection comes about. So then I'm thinking, oh, wow, okay, uh, let's keep going. And so then Jiva Goswami uh, says, 
it continues by saying that the chapter begins with a question by Uddhava, which initiates a discussion about sadhana bhakti. So uh, we're, we're talking, we may be talking specifically about sadhana bhakti, and he's pointing that out. This is actually the context is, this is this discussion of sadhana bhakti. Varanti Krishna Shreyamsi Bahuni My dear Krishna, Uddhava said, the learned sages who explain Vedic literature recommend various processes for, for, for perfecting one's life. Considering these varieties of viewpoint, my Lord, please tell me whether all these processes, processes are equally important or one of them is supreme. The discussion concludes, and this is, we saw this verse earlier um, with verse 26, uh, with the following statement of the Lord, which also refers specifically to sadhana bhakti. Yata yatatma parimrjate sao matpunya gata shravanadhi bhidanaha. Tata tata pasyati vastu shukshman chakshur yatayavas. Oh, it's supposed to be Yataivagyan. I have sometimes have problem I'm converting um, some of the diacritics. So when a diseased eye is treated with medicinal ointment, it gradually recovers its power to see. Similarly, as a conscious living entity cleanses, him, cleanses himself of material contamination by hearing and chanting the pious narrations of my glories, he regains his ability to see me, the absolute truth, in my subtle spiritual form. In particular, uh, Jiva continues, there is a subdivision of this section, verses 18 through 22, um, that deals primarily with the glories of sadhana bhakti. The first verse in the subdiv subdivision states, and we saw this one before, if it, my devotee has not fully conquered his senses, um, he may be harassed by material desires because of his unflinching devotion to me. He will not be defeated by sense gratification. And then he says, and the subdivision ends with this statement. Dharma satya dayo petyo vidya va tapasan Neither religious activities endowed with honesty and mercy, nor knowledge obtained with great penance, can completely purify one's consciousness if they're bereft, bereft of loving service to me. In the midst of this subsection, the reference to a devotee's being impeded by attraction for sense objects found in verse 18 is clearly a reference to the stage of practice. So this is Jiva Goswami. And um, so, you know, I started, you know, I began to wonder um, about this compared with the strength of his statement um, using verses from this same uh, section of, of chapter 14. Um, in his Bhakti uh, Rasamrita Sindhu Tika, so um, says this is clearly a reference to the stage of practice because once sadhya bhakti is manifested, there's no possibility of any obstacles. This is stated by the Shrutis personified in the Srimad Bhagavatam. So this is from the 87th chapter, prayers of the personified Vedas. Uh, sages free from false pride live on this earth by frequenting the sacred pilgrimage sites and those places where the Supreme Lord displayed his pastimes. Because such devotees keep your lotus feet within their hearts, the water that washes their feet destroys all sins. Anyone who even once turns his mind toward you, the ever blissful soul of all existence, no longer dedicates himself to serving family life at home, which simply robs a man of his good qualities. And then Jiva Goswami continues, the following statement from the Vishnu Purana is also a reference to the glories of sadhana bhakti. Those whose hearts are immersed in sense enjoyment cannot fix their minds on Lord Vishnu. Can a, person, can a person find an object lying in the West by searching for it in the East? 
After the subsection referred to, the Lord made this statement, which relates to Sadhya Bhakti. Um, so this is the verse right after that little subsection. So he says, this re refers to Sadhya Bhakti because of reference to ecstatic symptoms. If one's hairs do not stand on end, how can the heart melt? And if the heart does not melt, how can tears of love flow from the eyes? And if one does not cry in spiritual happiness, how can one render loving service to the Lord? And without such service, how can the consciousness be purified? So um, Jiva Goswami said, points out that this is about Sadhya Bhakti. In the next verse, also Sadhya Bhakti. A devotee whose speech is sometimes choked up, whose heart melts, who cries continually and sometimes laughs, and who feels ashamed and cries out loudly and then dances. Again, we're seeing ecstatic symptoms. The devotee thus fixed in loving service to me purifies the entire universe. So Jiva Goswami writes, the implication of this statement is, if this, is that if sadhya bhakti purifies the whole world, what to speak of purifying the desires for enjoyment that remain in the heart of the practicing devotee. Thus by Kaimutyanaya, um, I don't remember exactly what Kaimutyanaya is, but it kind of, I think it's like extending or by implication. The power of sadhya bhakti to remove the subtle inclinations for enjoyment is established. The subtle desires for an enjoyment are again a reference to uh, Srimad Bhagavatam 11, 14, 18, which describes the condition of a de of devotee still impeded by such desires. After the attainment of sadhya bhakti, the sense objects themselves become curtailed and can no longer overpower a devotee. So then he says, so after discussing verse 18 again, then he moves on to 19. Um, uh, he says that this 19 is also about all about sadhana bhakti because we're talking about nama pas and its power of uprooting sins. So just as a blazing fire burns a fire, pile of firewood to ashes, devotion directed toward me destroys all sins. And then he says, after this, the next one and a half verses also describe sadhana bhakti. First, in verse 20, by Krishna stating that he can be captivated only by devotion and not by yoga, we just looked at that a couple of minutes ago, not by yoga, sankhya, and other methods. Bhakti is contrasted with other methods of sadhana. Oops, gosh. Since different methods of practice be, can be contrasted only with something else, that is also a practice. Um, something else that is also a practice, the bhakti being referred to here may, can only be sadhana, not sadhya. Um, and then he says, in addition, in the first half of 11, 14, 21, Krishna states that he can be obtained only by devotion endowed with faith. The understanding is that sadhya bhakti is attained only by performing sadhana bhakti with faith. Therefore, if this verse were referring to sadhya bhakti, the mention of faith would be redundant. Hence, this half verse also can only refer to sadhana bhakti. I think, um, and then he continues, although the Lord is controlled only by sadhya bhakti, we have shown that this entire section deals primarily with sadhana bhakti. Therefore, the characteristic of, of bhakti to control the Lord is, um, is spoken of here in reference to sadhana bhakti. Moreover, Moreover, a significant principle is stated in this verse. Um, o King, sometimes the Lord um, 
This is a verse from the fifth canto. Uh, sometimes the Lord, uh, Lord Krishna so, uh, easily awards liberation to those who serve him, but not bhakti yoga, the opportunity for direct loving service to him. And Jiva says, the implication of this statement is that the Lord does not award prema, the perfectional stage of bhakti, unless he is first brought under the, under the control of the devotee who worships him. In other words, the Lord must be brought under control by sadhana bhakti before he will award prema bhakti. Therefore, the power to control the Lord is directly spoken of here as a characteristic of sadhana bhakti. So this is, um, this is Jiva Goswami's um, argument for, um, uh, how do I stop sharing? Oh, okay, I guess somehow or other I stumbled across it. Um, so this is Jiva Goswami's um, argument that um, when we talk about having the power to control Krishna, that we're, that, uh, we're also talking about sadhana bhakti. So this seems to confirm Vishwanath Chakravarti's assertion in his, uh, 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 in his commentaries on the Bhagavatam in the first canto and um, in the 11th canto, as we saw. So then um, the thing that came to mind, as I mentioned last time, I alluded to this, um, is the chronology of, of these works. Um, and so I, I was conjecturing that um, his uh, Bhagavatam commentaries uh, may have been written after his um, his commentaries on the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. As we know, as most of us probably know, um, Jiva Goswami served Rupa Goswami as his editor for Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. So we'll see some of his comments in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu saying something like, well, the author meant to say here, or the author here intended to imply, or something like that. And he knows that because he worked um, I'm, I assume at least sometimes knee to knee with Rupa Goswami, had access to him, was able to ask him questions about things. Now, um, I think I think it was excuse <coughs> me, I think it was Shamananda who um, did a little digging. I haven't done this <coughs> yet. What do they say on the internet? Do your own research. Um, and I hadn't done this yet, um, but Shamananda did a little digging, and he found that. Um, the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu Tika was probably, was apparently written after the Bhagavatam commentaries. Um, so um, I, I wasn't too happy to hear that because um, it was the opposite, I think, of what something in the back of my mind was at least hoping to, to find. But here, still, in the Bhakti Sandarbha, which is a definitive work, um, a foundational work, as, as uh, our friend Dulal Chandra likes to say, from one of the foundational um, acharyas. Um, and, and someone whom we consider perhaps the, the uh, greatest philosopher who's ever lived, greatest theologian who's ever lived, Srila Jiva Goswami, who was taught by the other Goswamis. He was personally instructed by Rupa and Sanatana especially. Um, um, and um, and you know who you know, worked with them as as we as we mentioned with Rupa Goswami uh, in editing the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Um, still, he and he didn't go back and edit it. You know, he didn't change it. So the art there's there's this very strong um, extended argument, rather extended argument, exploring these verses, showing how out of, I think, seven verses, six and a half of the verses actually address uh, sadhana bhakti as having some power, to, at least some power to control Krishna. Um, even if it's uh, to bring Krishna under control enough to be able to give the devotee sadhya bhakti, bhava bhakti, and then prema bhakti. So even sadhana bhakti must have some power to control Krishna. Um, in order for Krishna to award the devotee um, the, the, um, the accomplished stages of bhakti. 
So um, this is where I am and I have to work it out. I think um, how to deal with that um, is something that I may um, end up discussing with Guru Maharaj and maybe Prabhupada and, and perhaps um, also Radhika Raman, um, uh, Iskand's Radhika Raman, who uh, has a, a PhD from the University of, University of Oxford in, um, you know, in Jiva, Jiva Goswami's um, theology. And uh, you know, try to see how I can understand um, how I can resolve what appears to be a, an inconsistency um, in in his assertions. But it looks like we have a very uh, a pretty strong argument for even Sadhana Bhakti being able to bring um, Krishna under her control. Um, we see in the um, in the in the Shruti, in the in the um, in the Vedas, in a Vedic text called uh, a, a verse from something called Matara Shruti, and it's it's a Vedic text, so it's very it's ancient and and, and fundamental that um, Bhakti alone has the power um, to show us Krishna. Bhakti alone has the power to draw us near to Krishna. Bhakti alone has the power to subdue Krishna. Therefore, bhakti is the greatest of all things. So, um, I mean, if, if, you know, if we see that even there, that bhakti alone has the power to not only show us Krishna and draw us near to him, but to bring him under control. And Jiva Goswami makes it sound as though the, uh, as though the, uh, as though the Lord is being brought under the devotee's control. But really, he's brought under the control of whatever bhakti that devotee uh, may carry in his or her heart. So that's where I am. And this is kind of how I got there. And this is one of the projects that, um, uh, that I need to complete. Unfortunately, I'm still young. And I have plenty of time. Well, actually, that's not the case. Um, so I have to... Uh, apparently start taking better care of myself and um, and and get to work uh, because I have a few uh, writing projects that um, uh, that I must um, complete. This is one of them. Um, I have a couple of articles and then um, a little book about Sharanagati. I hope it's a little book about Sharanagati that, um, uh, that I intend to put together someday. Um, so anyway, that's... Uh, that's the deal uh, with me and the power of bhakti. And uh, it's quarter after, so it's a good time to uh, stop and entertain any questions, comments, reflections, or any kind of discussion. And it's nice to see uh, the wry smile of my friend Bhakshi uh, here on the screen. Uh, okay, so uh, I, don't, I don't have the power to unmute anybody. Though. So I think that's up to um, Shamananda or Sakyarati. Okay, we can do Sandavat Spangshi, our old friend. Anyone can unmute if they want to. There is no. Oh, okay, uh, that's right. Um, yeah, they, yeah, they just have to make sure they're in the English channel. Okay, so I, I assume that means that you're as encouraged and perhaps even a little as confused um, as I am. And uh, I mean, I have to write this to figure it out. This is, um, this is what I taught in college for 20 some universities for, some, for a number of years. Okay, oh, Sarda has a question. Maharaj, I just would like to know if there is any other literature, you know, especially looking at this uh, verse, um, Srimad Bhagavatam 11, 14, 24, you know, the symptoms of the devotee. Is there, you know, could you tell me about any other symptoms <laughs> in any other verses? Um, you know, of any other literature, because I'd like to know about that. Um, just looking on my own experiences, um, 
it's it's not that I would like to look at the stage which I'm out necessarily. I'm not really obsessed with that, but I would like to know. It's it would be very nice to see some other references um, or any other verses which are similar to this this verse about Sajjabati. Is it only um, well, in verse from Bhagavad yeah. Well, there there are, and we see those in the bhakti, in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Um, okay. In the um, in the section of the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, discussing all the uh, it's discussing prema bhakti, all the different kinds of ratis, the five different ratis that combine together to uh, create rasa. So we see, um, oh gosh, we see um, an almost bewildering. Um, an ocean. I'll actually, I, I, when I was discussing with this, uh, with an online group uh, uh, whom I read this with three nights a week, um, we're reading the Nectar of Devotion and Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu together. And in this section, all the, the different Anubhavas and Yabhichari or, or Sanchari Bhavas and, and how they all combine together which can which combine with others and which uh, don't really combine with others it's so nuanced that i felt that okay so here we are taking a little dip in the ocean of nectar of devotion but we seem <clears throat> at the moment to be swimming with a, through a section uh, quite choked with very thick uh, seaweed um, and and it's a little it can be a little uh, rough going almost um, and, and quite bewildering. And when I stop every 15 or 20 minutes to ask for comments or questions, it's like crickets. Because <laughs> everybody's just like, it's, it's just gone. You know, we're just, oh my God, I can't even, how do I sort all these things out? Because it becomes um, so um, nuanced and complex. Um, so it's described there in, um, in the um, third section, in those chapters in the third section of the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. So, and, and it's quite wonderful. And, um, <clears throat> you know, as far as sadhana bhakti, I do have some, some more things put together, although I haven't really assimilated them yet um, to the extent that I was willing, willing to share them um, yet. Uh, however, as I come across more uh, material as I work on this, I'm, I'm probably going to be sh <clears throat> sharing tidbits with my, uh, you know, with my friends here and there, wherever or wherever I have friends, I guess, on Facebook or wherever. I'm not much of a social media person, but um, I, you know, I will be sharing um, these things. And um, my, my next series is, is certainly on Sadhya Bhakti because I, I've been asked to discuss the Rasalila next month. So, so that's a little daunting. I'm gonna be a little immersed in that, which is quite wonderful. I, I, you know, I, I thought, my initial thought was, no, you know, I saw myself as one of Edward, Edvard Munch's scream pictures, you know, oh, no. but then I thought, no, this is what Kartik's about, throw yourself into this, and if you drown, what's the loss, you know, who's going to, you know, I, who, I, I, what, would, what would I have lost, and nobody's going to miss me anyway, so, you know, it's, you know, it'll be wonderful, even if I drown, this is Triparari Maharaj, Guru Maharaj writes this in his, uh, um, the um, introduction to his shikshastakam. He said, if I were to drown in, 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 in the process of, of exploring this, what would be the loss? So I always like that. We would um, meet you, Maharaj. So yeah, there will be more to come. This is um, kind of where I am at this point. And I decided to share this, uh, to share my process with others uh, in order to uh, create a positive impetus and the negative impetus is the clock on the wall, because um, I am 74, and uh, not having as much fun with my body as I did when I was 25. But, um, uh, but the, the positive impetus is that I think this is a really cool thing, and, and I want to figure it out to the extent that I'm able and, and share my process with others. So when I was teaching writing, college and university writing, one of my approaches was writing as an epistemic activity, as a way of figuring things out. And, and so that I, by doing that, I tried to encourage my students not to just write 
um, little essays that were tracts um, uh, explaining how what they thought is true, but exploring things that they might not understand, you know, completely have figured out yet uh, and uh, stick their necks out um, a little bit. So here I am with my neck stuck out. I uh, made myself a little vulnerable, I think, by, by sharing this prematurely with others. I also have to marvel at Hari Priya's smile on her profile picture. Hari Priya has one of the world's, uh, I think, one of the world's great smiles. Um, anything else? Thank you so much, though, for your for that question. Thank you there will, for inspiring. There will be more. Thank there you. will be more. Good. Thank you. I look forward to that. Very inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Anything else? It's good to see you, Maharaj. I'm so happy that you're doing okay. <clears throat> then with your permission, we can adjourn here. And Vamsi, um, Vamsi, uh, oh, hey. Uh, Maharaj can't hear you. Maybe are, are you in the English channel? Oh, no, I was in the off channel. Okay. That just was oh. nice, <laughs> nice to that's, see you. Wait, and, that's uh, my channel. Yeah. And uh, thank you for doing these lectures. I was looking forward to hearing um, these. So I'm really glad I got to it. So thank you. Good oh, thank you. Thank you. So um, more excitement, but this time um, starting next month, I guess, starting this Thursday. So there's no rest for the weary. Thank you so much. Ebo. Hare Krishna. Thank you, Maharaj. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Sakyarati and Sham, for hosting these for me. Thank you, Anas. Hare Krishna. Bhakti Abhayashra Maharaj Ki Jai. 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 Jai.